Welcome to Elan Restoration Fellowship, where Jesus is King, Hamelech, Lord, Hashem, and Messiah, Mashiach. And now, Pastor and Rabbi, Billy Elias. So, tonight is kind of special in the fact that not only do we have Shabbat, but it happens to fall during this thing that we call um, Chag Sukkot, or the Feast of Booths. In Christendom, it's better known as the Feast of Tabernacles. So, one of the interesting things about this holiday, I'm going to say one of the mysteries. In Genesis 8-4, and I spoke about this on the podcast, so if you saw the podcast earlier on the week, you, you'll have a better insight and understanding as to what I'm talking about right now. But when we talk about Genesis chapter 8, Verse 4, it says something very interesting, and it says that on the 17th day of the seventh month, Noah and the ark came to rest on Mount Ararat. The 17th day of the seventh month. That's important because we're later told in Leviticus that on the 15th day of the seventh month shall be a holy convocation that we are to celebrate as a feast of booths where you will go out and you will construct a booth and you will decorate it with the four species and you will have time with God, with Hashem in that booth. Right? These are the, the parts of Leviticus, and these are the parts of Numbers and Deuteronomy that people don't want to read because, you know, it's, oh, I don't care about this and that and this. But it's important because the ark comes to rest on the third day of the Feast of Tabernacles. The ark comes to rest on the third day of the Feast of Tabernacles. So it's, it's very interesting that, you know, the similarities between Noah and the ark and the Messiah and the grave and all of that stuff, um, it all comes out. So, I mean, I, I think it's important that, especially in Christendom today, we need to really understand what's happening throughout the year the way God intended it to be. You see, it's not like there was ever an expiration date on these feast days. God never put an expiration date on it. Nowhere, anywhere, do we see that it's written that this is an expiration date. In fact, the book of Revelation tells us that Jesus, when he is going to fulfill those last three feasts, when he catches up, or they call it the rapture of the church, mm -hmm. and then the great white throne judgment and everything that happens afterwards. So we have to understand that these feasts, there's no, it hasn't expired. It's not because we're New Testament Christians. We don't have to do it anymore. You should at least understand and at least observe in one way, shape, or form or another what your culture biblically has is we're, we're saved through by grace through faith into becoming a spiritual Jew. Now, Sukkot is a very, um, it's kind of like a Thanksgiving. 
right? It's a seven-day feast, and on the eighth day, they celebrate it in the community. They have this big, giant festival, um, and um, I got—I can't remember. There's another word for it, and I, or there's a phrase for it. And I can't think of it right at the moment. But the point being is that during these seven days, there's things that are supposed to happen. Okay. So if you've driven through Lakewood and, and if you're driving through Lakewood or now in even parts of Tom's River, you will see in their backyard that they have like a little, they either have a tent or they yeah. have like a little um, house or a little fort, yeah. right? Yeah. Set up. Well, because that's what's called the booth. And that booth is a representation of the wedding chamber that God has for us when we go to be with him. Okay, after the great white throne judgment and he does the Bema seat judgment, we are taken into the bridal chamber. You see, and this is a representation of the bridal chamber on earth. Um, and it's important because it's a time of oneness. God says those seven days, you will go and, and you will spend that time in that sukkah, in that booth with me with a family, with your family, you'll even sleep there because it's a time for you to leave the outside and go into a place of complete intimacy. Okay, it's, it's, it's like a boundary. You're going into a place where only you and Hashem will be. It's a rehearsal. For the day that he takes us, his bride, the bride of the Messiah, right? The day he takes us into the bridal chamber. Jesus tells parables out the wazoo about being prepared for that day when he comes, right? You want to be prepared for that moment when the bridegroom comes and says, it's time. You gotta know. I hate to say it, and I'm not. I don't. I'm gonna do my best to say this without offending. Imagine going to your wedding night and not being prepared, not knowing what's going to happen, not knowing what to do or how. You understand? I'm not being. I'm being honest. So this is what this. That's what Sukkot is about. Is going into a place to be prepared for when God comes and gives you that marital intimacy that he's promised us. We can't have it on earth. Right now, we're married to him, but we're in the, um, there's two phases to the Jewish wedding, and we're going to talk about that, but we're in the first phase, right? We've signed the wedding contract. In Gethsemane, he, he laid it out and said this is the ketubah. This is the wedding contract that I am going to do for you, my bride. And when we accept him, not under compulsion, not from any work, not that anybody can do it for us. When we accept Jesus as the Messiah, we are saying we accept your wedding contract and we agree to marry you. So what we do after that is the preparation. The, the preparation not only for the wedding, the preparation for the time when God takes us, the Messiah takes us into the wedding chamber to consummate. So I wanted to talk to, you know, you guys know I'm big about 
breaking down the Hebrew words mm -hmm. and using the letters and allowing the letters to teach us the power behind what these words mean and to see how awesome God is because he took the time and he took the care to design a system that 100% in every way, shape, and form points to who he is. Right, so when we look at this system, we look at the numerical system he set forth and the alphabet, mm -hmm. it's, it, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. It is. So we talk about Hag Sukkot. Now the Hebrew word Sukkot comes from the root of the word is the Sukkah, which means booth. You add the tau at the end, the letter, the TH sound, and you get booths. Okay, so it becomes a plural word. So it's made up, if you look at it, of, of um, four letters, okay? One letter repeats. So it's the samic, the vowel, the cuff, the vowel, and the tau, right? The vowel, the tau, I know. It's, it's, a little, it's a little kooky, okay? But remember in Hebrew, you read right to left, mm -hmm. okay? But I wanted to talk about these, the four letters that make up this word. Okay, so the first one is the word Samic. So that's the first letter for the, the word of Booth. It's the 15th letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And it is symbolic of the wedding ring of healing and boundaries. So right away, what is a Booth? When we walk in, what is it? It's got four posts and it's got what? Boundaries. So when we walk in, it we have we find that it's boundaries and what is it supposed to be about it's supposed to be about intimacy therefore the wedding ring right so right away with the first letter we see something now samic literally means to lead upon to uphold it's a support so we see four poles holding up and supporting but in doing so with those four poles, holding up and supporting it, what happens is when you go inside, what is actually happening? You're leaning upon your Messiah. See, Paul says that when I am weak, I am strong because it's the spirit of God that is strong within me. So what does that mean? You're leaning on him. His yoke is easy. And his burden is light. We're leaning on him. Do not lean on your own understanding. So right away we see that the first letter of this word booth, we're leaning on him. Second, the spiritual part of it is it's divine support. It's a hedge. We've talked about a hedge of protection till we're blue in the face. When you enter into the booth during Sukkot, you are entering in not only to be surrounded by a boundary, but to, to keep you in, it's to keep what? Evil and wickedness out. It's to keep it at bay. You see, one of the, 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 re, the main reason that God comes and gathers the church, gathers believers in the Messiah in Revelation chapter 7 is because he doesn't want them to suffer what's about to happen on the earth. He says, I have found my righteous, and those who have died 
in righteousness before and those who are dying now, I do not want you to see what I'm about to do. And I don't want you to experience what I'm about to do. So I'm going to take you and I'm going to bring you through the gate and I'm going to put you in the bridal chamber to protect you. So this is like the booth. This is the booth. This is the booth. So the, the idea here is these letters teach you all you need to know about all of these Hebrew words. And God's sovereignty in them. Right? So, and the word picture of this is, of course, a thorn. Yeah. A doi. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. We've spoken about that a trillion times, too. When he makes a hedge, the thorns point outward, not inward, so that the sheep, when they brush up against it, it may get rough and it'll tell them, get away. But anything that tries to get in, it's like going over barbed wire. Right? So the thorns point outward. The Messiah, when he wore his crown of thorns, okay, when they put it on him and they pressed it down and they drove them into the base of his skull, that was done as a protection so that we would never have to suffer the way he suffered. So that we would never have to spiritually know what suffering and 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 just you know we would never have to know what that weeping and gnashing of teeth was like when he went to the cross and he bore all that he did it so we wouldn't know what it's like to suffer for the sins and deserve the punishment that we should get you see so this is the importance of that booth it represents something even today Okay, so that's the first letter, which is the psalmic. And again, it's symbolic of the wedding ring, boundaries, but the other thing is it's symbolic of healing. I love that one more than anything because save us, O Lord, and we will be saved. Heal us, and we will be what? Healed. Right? Heal us, and we will be healed. Healing comes from his intimacy right that's where healing comes from it comes from intimacy with the messiah and i'm not talking about yes we've all had physical ailments i'm not talking about that kind of healing i'm talking about internal healing i'm talking about the sanctification of healing within okay i'm talking about when you enter into that wedding relationship with him when you're married with him, even though there's no consummation, it doesn't matter because in the Hebrew culture, once you were married, even though you didn't consummate, no, you're married. Mm -hmm. No one can come to you now. No man can approach you. No woman could approach you. It's over. It's done. Mm -hmm. And you were under the watchful eye of your father mm -hmm. to make sure you towed the line and didn't go astray. Right? And in doing so, when it came together, it was a healing for the soul. It was a healing for the spirit because the two become one. So we have to understand that in that first letter, he's spelling out in that first letter, this is what the sukkah is for. This is the booth. So you have an understanding. Now the second letter 
in the word Sukkot is the letter Vau. Now, it's the sixth letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and it implies a close relationship to events and generations and is the number of man. All right, six is the number of man in um, scripture, okay? Now, literally, what the vow means is a hook or a nail. Spiritually, it means completeness, and the word picture is joining together or to be bound. So, the booth is about intimacy with Messiah. So, when we look at the hook or the nail, this is obvious, okay? And I've spoken about this before. When Jesus was put on the cross, they put the nails through his, his hands. Okay, now, I know there was for a while people would say, he couldn't have been through his hand, they put it through the wrist. You remember that? And it went back and forth, so the Bible was wrong. And then, of course, historians corrected that and said, no, they put it through the hand and they bound the wrist by rope to the cross because they don't want you to die right away. But the thing about the vow is it means completeness. Now think about this. All the way back in Genesis, it says, for this reason, you shall leave your mother and father and cleave to your wife or your husband and the two shall become what? One. one. You're complete. Mm -hmm. The two become one. It's completed. Yeah. You have the male and you have the female. So when the two of you come together, you make the complete model of what God has designed. Right? right? Because the Holy Spirit takes on a, a he's a, the Holy Spirit, it, it, Ruach HaKodesh is feminine in Hebrew because it's the, the, the Holy Spirit, he's the nurturer. He's the provider. He's the comforter. He's the counselor. Right. You understand? Right? So we have a male role and a female role and they come together and it's a completeness that they're joined in the very image that God said we will create them male and female. We will create them like us, meaning God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit of God. He said we will, um, we will create them like us and they will be complete. So when you join, you're being completed. Think about this for a minute. The Hebrew word shalom means peace, but its secondary meaning is what? To be complete. Shabbat is supposed to be what? A completion of a week mm -hmm. where you sit there and say, now I'm coming to you, Father, to complete my week, to begin something new so that I have a freshness, freshness. that you have put within me. Mm -hmm. Jesus says at the end when he was about to die, it is Finished. It's complete. <clears throat> you see, the sacrifice was then completed. Right. So that we, when we become a new creation and we won our race and we hear, well done, good and faithful servant, what does that say? We are completed. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about completeness, we're talking about a relationship that was had with the Messiah on earth, that when we die, he perfects it. Think about it. He perfects it. He made us a new creation so that the very end, he's going to perfect his new creation and he's going to say, it is finished. 
Well done, good and faithful servant, because you have completed your race. And you come to me now as my bride. That's the letter vow. Completeness. And it also means joining together, to be bound. Well, what does a wedding ring mean? It has no beginning and it has no end. But when you put it on the finger, it's a tenth. If people are like, oh, tithing's not for today, nonsense. Look, I have 10 fingers. When I take this ring and I put it on that finger, I only put it on one finger, but that means my entire body, everything about me belongs to Josephine. Mm -hmm. All of it. So a tenth means a whole. So I've given my whole body and I am bound to her, not out of compulsion, not out of some kind of arrangement, but because God had chosen us to fall in love and he said, you will be bound to her, right? The love of my life. Mm -hmm. So that's the vow. I want to just take it one step further because we are talking about marital intimacy and what Sukkot really means. When done properly on a wedding night, we know the anatomy of a man, when it penetrates a woman, it does what? It makes her bleed. Mm -hmm. What does a nail do? It can make you bleed, right? So when it's a hook or a nail, people often say, why what's wrong with a phallic symbol? And that's what's wrong with it because it's the interpretation of something that God did not plan. The Hebrew letter vow, when you look at how it's designed, when it says it's about completeness and it's about being bound and joined together, that's what it's talking about. That's one letter. So we got two. Do you understand? You see how God spells out this feast day that we're in right now and that's just two letters. You see, this is this is why it's so important. Now, do you have to go to the depth that I go? No, but you need to understand. We have to get out of this mindset of an expiration date. And as I have read through this book, and as I as I have seen things, I realize now how the doctrine was corrupted long before. King James. Yeah. Long before. So we have the summit, we have the vow. Now we go to the 11th letter in the Hebrew alphabet. So we're going to talk about the third letter in this word for booth in Hebrew, the kof. Now it's the 11th letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It's symbolic of a crowning achievement. It also lends its name to the lulav and the atrog. Mm -hmm. Right? We've talked about it. It's the lulav and the atrog, and it's better recognized on what we would call Palm Sunday. Okay? And we see it in Scripture in the triumphal entry, where incorrectly translated, it says they threw their palms down as Jesus came um, from the mountain down into Jerusalem. Okay, on the donkey. Okay, and we've spoken about this, so I'm not going to really go into it too much. But in the one hand, you have in the right hand, you have three different plants: the the, the willow and the myrrh, and it's wrapped by the palm because you can hold it. And in the left hand, which is the closest to the heart, is a citrus fruit. 
That's what's called the four species. Willow, myrrh, um, the palm, and a citrus fruit. It is, we are commanded at Sukkot, and we are commanded during Passover to wave the four species. That's what was happening when Jesus came down. They were waving the four species as commanded. Now, the interesting here, thing here about the cuff, it's also identified with humility because the letter itself is bent. Okay? And when you look at the word picture, this is just, this always just gets me. The word picture is of the palm of a hand because this is what cuff looks like. That's what it looks like, like this. Yeah, it's bent, yeah. and it's like that. So it's the palm of the hand, mm -hmm. but it's not only just the palm, but it's what is the palm holding? What does it measure that's in the palm of the hand? Why do you think Satan had the Romans put nails through the palms of his hand? Because what it's symbolically what it was saying is, you can't do anything now. You can't hold Israel in the palm of your hand anymore. You can't, they can't be measured. Their sins are unimmeasurable. And you can't do anything about it. So we've put these nails to the palm of your hands to shut them. So that you can't embrace them. So you can't coddle them. So you can't catch them. So you can't counsel them. So you can't embrace them. You think that the, the, the Romans just decided one day that's, that looks cool? No, because it was satanic, satanically driven. Yeah. They didn't just make it up. They did make it up, but it's because of what was being whispered in their yeah, ear. <coughs> So when this whole doctrine went on, that oh no, it went through the wrist, it went through the wrist, that's why it's wrong. It has to go through the palm. And it was like this. Because they would lash the forearms. Do you know how like just doing this, that feels like? And then what happens when you hit the palm, automatically, you see what just happened there? It automatically retracted. So when the nail went in, you're not holding or doing anything. That's Satan. Mm -hmm. So that's the cough. Mm -hmm. And that is the third letter in our great holiday of Sukkot. And the vow repeats itself again, interestingly, because God is trying to drive a, <laughs> drive a point home here. Mm -hmm. He's being redundant. He tells you that you're entering into the sukkah and then he's telling you it's about completeness and being joined together. And then he's telling you it's about what he did, his humility and how he holds you. You see? Mm -hmm. And how he holds you not only in the palm of his hand, but what was driven through the palm of the hand, the nail. Why? So that we would never experience being abandoned. So when the people say, oh, you know, God turned his back, they say, again, this is a violation of this word itself. It would violate the Hebrew letter because the Hebrew letter is saying, no, 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 no. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to pull away from you. 
because I am my beloved and my beloved is mine. You see, we pull away from him. We choose our own fate. If we choose to say, God, I don't love you, that's on us. He did not turn his, his, his face away from the Messiah because Jesus did not become sin. This is the problem. And when you read, like when you go into church history and you really start to research doctrine, now you get it. Because in Spain, it was first introduced, and in Italy and Spain, it was first introduced. Jesus is a Christ killer. I mean, yeah, um, the Jews are Christ killers. That's where it started. The Romans didn't give a crud. Did you know that the Romans did not persecute Jews? Jews? There may have been persecution within the city by people, but the Romans didn't persecute any religion. Interestingly enough, after they conquered the people, they pretty much left them alone unless there was an uprising, and then they went back in, and they crushed it. But unless you gave them a reason, they pretty much left you alone. And there was not a lot of Jewish martyrdom until Titus. But even then, that wasn't a religious thing for them. So again, we have to understand what these letters mean. And then, of course, we're going to end with the letter Tau. That's the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And it's symbolic of truth and perfection. You can't have completeness without perfection. Now, interestingly here, the word for Tau has no literal meaning. But spiritually, it's the mark of man's final destination. So when we look at Sukkot, this festival that we're in right now, and we go into the booth, the sukkah, I want you to think, what is man's final destination? Heaven. No, go further. The wedding chamber. See, that's the final destination when you get saved and you become the bride, the final destination is going to go in there because until that moment when he consummates with you, right? That's when he, you are completed and perfected as the bride of the Messiah. You're his bride upon salvation because that's Hebraic culture. But until the consummation happens, it's not completed and it's not perfected. You get how these letters now, you see this? The redundancy in the letters, which is why, let's think about what we're doing right now. We, as Christians, aren't doing anything. The Jews are over there doing it. They don't know exactly why they're doing it, but they're doing it. But we, who should know, because we have the completion within us, we should know, but we don't. Now, the word picture... And, I, and I've said this before, where it just is unbelievable. The word picture for the Tao is a cross. The cross. So I want you to understand, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Mm-hmm. And God said, let there be light. Mm-hmm. He did it. He spoke Hebrew to bring the, light, the, the world into existence. Right. You know, it was said that before the foundations of the earth... The Messiah was crucified on a cross because that was God's language. 
So he said, I'm going to even show you in this letter, the Tau, which is the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet, because this is about being your last destination. Your last destination happens on the cross. That's it. If you can't expect, accept what happens on the cross, you are doomed to wander forever. You will be wandering in, in, in just, oh, in Gehenna. Hell, you'll be it'll be there forever. Pastor Billy will continue his message in just a moment. If you would like more information about sermon series, books, and other study materials, you can call us at 732-314-1956. Or you can email us at elanrestoration at gmail.com. You can visit us on Facebook for Shabbat and service times. And now we conclude today's message with Rabbi Billy. That's the last letter. So when Jesus in chapter 21 and 22 of Revelation says, we have again wrong. They changed it in King James, the Alpha and the Omega, right? It's the Aleph, which is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and the Tau. The Tau is the cross. The Aleph is the beginning. It's the ox head. It's the abundance. I started you with abundance. I gave you life. And one day you will die. And then it all goes back to what? The cross. What did you do with the cross? So that's what he, that's why he ends Sukkot with that word, with that letter. He's saying, this is your final destination, my bridal chamber, before I bring you out as my bride, completed and perfected. And as always, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you all and give you shalom, peace. In the precious name of Jesus, our glorious Messiah, we pray. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Billy Elias. Pastor Billy is the founder and pastor of Elon Restoration Fellowship in Toms River, New Jersey. Join us again as Pastor Billy bridges the gap between the Old and New Covenants. And as always, may the Lord bless you with peace.